Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 240 of the Leading Learning Podcast, in which we discuss a seemingly age-old question. Is e-learning effective? We feel like it's an important question to address right now when due to COVID-19, many traditional forms of face-to-face education simply aren't viable. There's a massive rush to move learning online, but at the same time, many, maybe even most, people still hold the view that e-learning is a second-rate or lesser form of learning when compared to -to face-to-face. And we want to address that view head-on in this episode. That's right. But given our focus, which is on the market for adult continuing education, professional development, and lifelong learning, we're going to frame our discussion with the three goals at the heart of the learning businesses that serve that market, reach, revenue, and impact. And we'll take a look at how e-learning is or isn't effective in each of those areas, particularly when compared with traditional face-to-face instruction. Before we get to the substance of the discussion, we want to offer two reflection questions, and you can find those questions in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 240. First, how conscious and intentional are you about the instructional methods used in the learning experiences that you offer, whether online or off? And second, how well do you leverage the reach and impact of your e-learning offerings to drive your revenue strategy? We encourage you to keep those questions in mind throughout this episode as we touch on different aspects of reach, revenue, and impact as they relate to e-learning. And then also before we dive deeper, we want to be sure to offer a definition of e-learning, at least as it applies to this discussion. So for our purposes here, We define e-learning as any learning experience accessed using one or more digital devices. And we're keeping the definition purposely broad because we don't think e-learning has to involve specific types of media, nor does it matter whether it takes place in real time or asynchronously. It will also stress that our focus is on adult lifelong learning, and our main point of contrast with e-learning is to the face-to-face approaches that are most common in adult learning, meaning instructor-led classes, seminars, conference sessions, and the like. So now as we turn to a more detailed discussion, we're actually going to change up the usual order of the core learning business goals we've noted reach, revenue, and impact. And we're going to talk about impact first because that seems to be the area where people get hung up most quickly. 
Yeah, they really do. I mean, just the other day, I was reading comments on a blog post about the effectiveness of e-learning, and a person who identified as a university professor had commented, quote, I don't feel that online can adequately substitute for in-person instruction, end of quote. And, you know, I, I do get why people say things like that. And of course, everybody has their own take on what that, quote, adequate substitute means. But it's kind of disturbing uh, as a comment to read from a university professor, because we have, after all, known for decades that when it comes to educational effectiveness, e-learning can be every bit as impactful and sometimes even more impactful than traditional face-to-face instruction. Yes, indeed. And, And really, you can go all the way back to studies that focused on precursors to e-learning, like instructional films. The U.S. Army conducted research back in 1947 showing that there were no differences in learning outcomes between groups who received instruction on a specific skill from a film with a narrated demonstration versus those who were taught in a classroom by an instructor who used the same script as the film and did a demonstration on actual equipment along with still slide pictures. And we'll note that we know about that particular research because Ruth Clark and Richard Mayer cited in their classic work, E-Learning and the Science of Instruction. And that's a book that every learning business professional needs to read and periodically reread. And Clark and Mayer point out in the book that, quote, with few exceptions, there have been hundreds of media comparison studies that showed no differences in learning, end quote. What matters most is not the medium used. That is, not whether it's on a computer, whether it's face-to-face, or even delivered with printed text. It's the instructional methods. So methods, not medium, matter. Clark and Mayer are an important source of that message, and their research on it dates back decades. More recently, Will Tallheimer... He's been on the Leading Learning Podcast as a guest, and he's been a session leader at our Learning Technology Design Virtual Conference. And Will has done a great job of compiling a range of research, including some of Clark and Mayer's, that points to that same conclusion, the methods, not the medium, matter. And as part of his conclusions from that research, which is titled, appropriately enough, Does E-Learning Work?, Will states that, quote, When learning methods are held constant between e-learning and classroom instruction, both produce equal results. And also, here's another quote, what matters in terms of learning effectiveness is not the learning modality, e-learning versus classroom, it's the learning methods that matter, including such factors as realistic practice, spaced repetitions, real-world context, and feedback. And we'll be sure to provide a link in the show notes to that very valuable and, we should note, free research that Will has made available. And I'll add that I I like that he focuses in on some of the key instructional methods that benefit really any learning experience, whether online or off practice, spacing, relevance, feedback. It's its very often the case, and I think this is uh, particularly true of self-paced e-learning, that the people developing the learning experiences are just simply more conscious of making use of those methods, methods and as a result, provide experiences that are more effective. As Will points out, these methods are very often lacking or missing entirely in most classroom experiences, which still tend to be very lecture-heavy. And it's very easy to think classroom experiences are more effective than they are. 
there's something like a, I guess I would call it kind of a proximity bias uh, that makes us believe that the physical closeness of other human beings automatically improves learning. Hmm, I, I think that's true. Um, that idea of a proximity bias. And, you know, as we've asserted, you know, it really comes down, though, to the methods, at least when we're talking about instructional effectiveness to that, you know, fundamental does e-learning work question. And the answer is, you know, an appropriately qualified yes. E-learning certainly can work as well, and in some cases even better than face-to-face instruction. But in either case, success really depends on making use of what we know works in learning. So now that addresses the instructional effectiveness side of impact, the does e-learning work question. But of course, that's only one aspect of impact. Another really merges into the second main goal of learning businesses, reach. Instructional, instructional effectiveness doesn't really do much good if you aren't able to reach the people whom you hope to impact. Well, definitely. And, and arguably, this is an area in which e-learning has the potential to leave traditional classroom-based instruction in the dust because theoretically there are no limits to the number of learners you can reach using e-learning. E-learning can break down geographical, temporal, potentially even economic barriers in ways that physical classroom-based approaches simply can't. So the ability to scale and increase access is simply much higher with e-learning. Now, that theoretically that I mentioned is an important qualifier because we don't want to gloss over the fact that there can be and and are significant barriers to e-learning. For example, internet bandwidth and connectivity issues, or even just discomfort with technology on the part of learners. But very often, those kinds of barriers are much more readily addressed than the typical social, physical, and economic barriers to face-to-face learning. Yeah, that's so true. And in fact, we usually find that it's less those sorts of barriers that constrain an organization's e-learning efforts than the fact that they they simply don't understand how to market effectively. And that's true for face-to-face offerings as well, of course. But in so many cases, learning businesses have an established sort of built-in audience for their face-to-face offerings. It's something they've just been doing for so long. And I'm, I'm thinking in particular of trade and professional associations, for example, with their lineup of conferences and seminars. If you want to reach and convert learners at scale in the digital world, though, you really have to, well, you have to think differently and usually much more strategically. And we're clearly at a tipping point right now where even people who've been resistant to e-learning in the past are going to, well, you know, frankly, just be forced to try it. And of course, many of those will continue using it once they get a, a taste of it. And of course, you know, there was already a very high and growing receptivity to online before this current pandemic. So clearly, people will do e-learning. You've got those who are already doing it. You've got the ones who are going to be new converts as, as a result of the current situation. But at the same time, there's just now so much more competition out there, and not just for your prospective learners' wallets, but for their attention, maybe even more importantly for their attention. And you're not going to realize the potential reach and scale of e-learning if you don't know how to market effectively. Yes, and, and so we've just focused so far on the quantity or scale side of reach, but beyond scale or or maybe to put it more powerfully, in addition to scale, there's the issue of quality. Because it's rooted in digital and eventually quantum technology, e-learning has the potential to deliver a different 
quality of experience to each individual learner. It can provide for adaptation, customization, personalization at a depth and scale that really isn't possible with most face-to-face instruction. Yeah, it's so true. And this is an area that, uh, you know, very presciently Clark and Mayer focused on years ago when they wrote about what they called the promise of e-learning, that ability to, to customize the experience, to engage learners in the most personally relevant and engaging way, to accelerate the acquisition of new skills and expertise. And that's, you know, something definitely in high demand in our current current global learning economy. I mean, when you think about what's happening with artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and as you just you know mentioned there, Salisa, quantum computing, this is an area that's just going to be blown wide open in the coming decade. So when it comes to the effectiveness of e-learning in addressing reach, it seems clear that the potential is just huge, clearly much higher than anything that can be achieved with traditional face-to-face instruction. Okay, so we've covered impact and reach as aspects of effectiveness. As we've noted, those two are closely related, and I think we'll see that they're also a key driver of the final area that we want to discuss, revenue. But first, we should state what we see as the uh, obvious when it comes to revenue. And simply, that is that money is being made with e-learning. Some estimates put the global market for e-learning at more than $375 billion by 2026, and the COVID-19 pandemic is driving a high annual growth rate currently. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are huge, and really no one knows how high they will go. As as you just suggested, Salisa, COVID-19 has already led to a massive shift in the use of e-learning. It's going to have, already is having an impact on both supply and demand. That's going to be there for years to come, and at least some level of that impact is likely to be permanent. But of course, you know, that's at, that's at that global macro level. Uh, many individual learning businesses, maybe some listening, still struggle with what the e-learning revenue picture looks like for them. You know, they're struggling to come up with a, with a strategy to set prices, uh, to compete often with free offerings that are out there. You know, they're having to deal with the issue of price concessions for e-learning in the midst of a pandemic, um, often while at the same time losing a lot of revenue from face-to-face learning experiences that they can no longer offer. And, you know, many just have to be wondering whether e-learning really will be an effective source of revenue going forward. Well, yeah, and to, you know, not be perfect Pollyannas about this, you know, possibly for many it won't. I mean, they may not make it through this shift, but I think whether they do or not is likely to come down to a couple of key factors, uh, one of which is whether they successfully address those first two areas that we discussed, Jeff, impact and reach. It's truer than ever before that learners and employers, those employers who so often fund adult learning, they expect learning experiences to produce results, especially if you charge for them. You know, the days of building a business off of narrated PowerPoints are are long gone. And similarly, if you can't get the processes, technology, and marketing in place to simultaneously scale and provide a more individualized approach for your learners, you'll be operating at a significant disadvantage. So that's really critical, getting reach and impact right. And I'd say, you know, closely related to both is getting your portfolio right. 
Now is the time to, to seriously assess your portfolio of learning offerings and determine what needs to change because it's almost certain there are things that need to change. So specifically, you need to get very strategic about the role that e-learning can and should play. For example, revenue will almost certainly become more distributed, broken into smaller chunks over time for many organizations that have relied heavily on a single or a limited number of large face-to-face events. You know, Veronica Diaz of uh, Educause suggested when we interviewed her uh, recently for our virtual conferences report that you need to disaggregate your traditional large place-based offerings, kind of break them down into the pieces that are valued by specific communities or audiences that you serve. And then those can then be developed into smaller, more focused offerings that are more distributed across your calendar if they involve live delivery or possibly converted into on-demand offerings. But the bottom line is that you need to assess what we've always referred to as our our value ramp, your value ramp, and figure out the role e-learning can play in telling your overall value story. So where can you use it to replace current face-to-face offerings or introduce entirely new offerings? And, you know, based on what we can reasonably foresee about the future, where does it make sense to keep the same or modified versions of your face-to-face offerings in place? Well, so the Value Ramp is just indeed a, a simple and elegant tool for helping you and your team think through those kinds of questions that you were just posing, Jeff, um, and, and think about those decisions. It's a free resource, and we'll be sure to provide some more information about it in the show notes. We can uh, maybe just wrap up our comments on revenue by going back to the point that uh, we made at the beginning of of this section, which is that money is being made from e-learning. It can be an effective revenue source if approached strategically, and certainly it has much greater revenue potential than face-to-face for the foreseeable future, just given the the constraints and limitations on face-to-face offerings. Right, and and we should probably stress that even if the path to e-learning revenue is not crystal clear to you at the moment, don't wait to get started on it now is the time to be developing or revamping your strategy and to begin executing if you want to bolster your chances for success over the longer term. So those are some of our thoughts on the question, is e-learning effective? And again, we've addressed that question specifically in the context of the learning business and as it relates to what we've defined as the three major goals of learning businesses, reach, revenue, and impact. So to sum up our conclusions, First, a wealth of research shows that e-learning can be as effective or even more effective than face-to-face instruction when appropriate instructional methods are used. It can, therefore, be effective for instructional impact. Second, even acknowledging the potential barriers, e-learning clearly has the ability to reach many more learners than face-to-face instruction, and it offers much higher potential for reaching the right learners in the right way through much more individualized experiences. And finally, e-learning can clearly be an effective source of revenue generation, but learning businesses have to be strategic about addressing both impact and reach, as well as um, being conscious of the value story represented by their portfolio of offerings and the role e-learning plays in that story. 
very nicely summarized. And you can find that summary along with a wealth of other resources at the show notes for this episode. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 240. And the show notes will include the reflection questions. And those are, how conscious and intentional are you about the instructional methods used in the learning experiences you offer, whether online or off? And then, how well do you leverage the reach and impact of your e-learning offerings to drive your revenue strategy? When you check out the show notes, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, Jeff and I would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. And as you've heard us talking about today, impact is something we're acutely interested in as a learning business. And we want to know how many people we're reaching with this as well. And we'd be grateful if you would take just a minute, if we do reach you, to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Going to leadinglearning.com slash Apple will put you in the right place. So Lisa and I personally appreciate your rating and review and reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Finally, please follow us and share the good word about leading learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag leading learning on each of those channels. Wherever, however, please help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.